Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Welcome to America's Heroes Group on WVON 1690 AM, the talk of Chicago. I am Vietnam veteran host Cliff Kelly. America's Heroes Group is a live streaming podcast, global platform, radio, print, and digital media broadcast show that empowers change agents through intentionally disseminating information, resources, and referrals to empower our military population. And with that, welcome to America's Heroes Group, our roundtable with clean energy infrastructure partner, Zodiac Solutions. Today is Saturday, December 3rd, 2022. December is AIDS Awareness Month and National Human Rights Month. Our host is Cliff Kelly. I'm Sean Cleveland, the co-host, Army National Guard veteran. Our executive producer is Glenda Smith, and our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Productions. And ladies and gentlemen and service members and veterans, we have... A familiar voice. Two guys have been with us uh, many times on our show. Rob Howard, he's a U.S. Navy veteran and the president and CEO of Zodiac Solutions, LLC, and Rod Matthew. He is a U.S. Navy veteran also and the owner of Brovian Energy, specializing in microgrid technologies and renewable energy. And that is a hot topic today because we are in the third industrial revolution, ladies and gentlemen. If you didn't know that already, we're going to talk about Biden's administration's approving $550 million for community-based clean energy. And this is going to be administered through the, the Energy Efficiency and Conservation Block, the EECBG program. So, Mr. Howard, how are you doing today? Mr. Matthew, how are you doing today? So we got so here we go. Let's try this again. So how are you guys doing today? Absolutely wonderful. It's great to see you again, Sean. All right. So what can you tell us about this new uh approval, what Biden has done to 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 kind of stimulate at the community level clean energy? And that's for Mr. Matthew. Oh, yeah. It's like we got, it looks like we lost our audio. We lost our audio. Yeah, I got trying to get together. We, oh, who was, I heard a voice. What was, who was that? Can you hear me? This is Rob. I actually got disconnected, too, but that's okay. okay. All right. So, Rob, what can you tell us? Mr. Matthew, we can't hear you because our audio is out. But, uh, Mr. Howard, can, what can you tell us about what's going on? Well, well, first, um, while you get uh, Mr. Matthews uh, hooked up, I want to make sure we give a shout-out because Brevian Energy was one of the recipients of what they call the Rosie Network. They focus on uh, veteran businesses and how to take them to the next level, so he's been a recipient of that program, and he'll get a chance to tell you a little bit about it. But with regard to this grant, it's really important for people to recognize that this Funding is going to be available specifically through state, city, and counties, 
which will allow you to actually, I was breaking down the actual individual dollars, and it looks like this is going to be a supplement to what the cities and counties have going on or are planning to do. It's real important to start getting ready because most, most of the projects that I've been a part of that have to deal with government takes a long time. And so the fact that they're getting this out now, the awards don't even start, or the application doesn't start till January. However, people need to be planning today. So everything from uh, solar projects on government installations, um, one of the things that we see are really easy to do are parking lots. However, where we miss it is that oftentimes we forget that we need the entire microgrid. Uh, in the state of California, California is actually overbuilt on solar because you can on solar is only available when the sun is shining, right? Mm-hmm. What about the rest of two thirds of the day? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so you need that entire microgrid, and that's where Brevian comes in because that's their actual expertise and how we plan this out. So, we've been talking to different cities. Recognize you need to check the numbers. Your city might not be large enough to apply for this particular grant, but there's still other. Uh, avenues and ways to credit, um, particularly from the Infrastructure Act. There's funding available, but again, you have to do the planning. There we go. I think that's smart uh, words. So this is a $550 million program. There's about, from what I understand, this is what's reported, about it's to affect about 250 million people, which is almost the entire nation when you think about it. 250 million people supposed to benefit from this. Mr. Matthews, we got your audio back together. What can you can you explain a little bit more about how this is going to unfold and what the the program is all about? Uh, well, sorry for the technical problems there, but uh, yes, uh, like Rob mentioned before, the government is allocating funds to these communities that qualify that meet the requirements, uh, you know, of the grant to get more stabilized power, more uh, decentralized power, get power that's uh, much more affordable in these communities and much more resilient. So we don't have to worry about their particular investor-owned utilities in their area, uh, taking advantage of them, uh, raising their utility rates, and uh, having a grid that's really unreliable for them. So this will allow these communities to generate their own power. Like you see here in California in particular, there is a move to form what's called community choice aggregation or community choice energy programs where these individual municipalities are combining their efforts to now they are buying power at a, a little bit more reduced rate than the investor-owned utilities can provide for them and still provide great service for their customers. So we're seeing things like that roll out across the country, and we're very excited about the opportunities that involved it. I think that's important. Um, our apologies for the audio snap. It was actually our fault. But the thing is, is that I think it's really important for people to understand is that, you know, we have seen massive increases in utility rates over the last few years. And with this hyperinflation economy, it was not really, I mean, I hesitate to use that word, but this really bad inflation we have going on in this country where people are very concerned about what is ahead as far as us moving into the winter and also as the temperatures drop and heating bills go up. You know, how are people going to be able to, to afford these $100, $200, $300, $500 you know, gas bills, utility bills around the colder states in this country? Now, one of the things we talk about with the importance of microgrids is the fact that our infrastructure, our electrical grid is outdated, and it needs to be 
um, upgraded substantially. And from what I understand, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, both of you, is we need to, even if we could get online a lot of the uh, renewable energy sources and things like that, we our infrastructure can't even handle the influx of power because the potential, people don't realize, is that the renewable energy sources that are the, the technologies are being developed, it seems like it can actually surpass the type of power that you get from fossil fuels, from the traditional ways of getting energy. You throw nu- nuclear into that mix as well, and you got really an abundance of energy that could be produced, but we got to have the infrastructure in place to do it. So how can microgrid solve that problem? Mr. Howard, what do you, what do you say about that? Yeah, the, the, the easiest way to think about it is when power is generated, the grid is necessary to get it to your house. But if, if cities decide we're going to create local power, because, again, oftentimes um, um, diverse communities were usually the ones who were victims of fossil fuel with power plants, which means they were polluting the community. You're talking about uh, accelerated rates of asthma and other issues. Microgrids allow you to do green power locally, fewer uh, um, or shorter transmission to the end user, and that's where the microgrids come in. And also, they can, they're can they scalable. So if I have a city with 30,000 people, I can put together microgrids inside that city to fit that. But if I got a million and a half people, I'm scaling up to fit the need. And so you've got a couple of things happening. The utilities are going to be raising rates. Why? Because as you get more renewable, most of them have agreements with their public utility um, organization in California, the Public Utilities Commission, that they're going to make a certain amount of money. Well, when people and businesses get solar and microgrids, what happens is it's they raise the rates on those who don't have it. So cities must begin to make the transition or else they'll be at the whim of the investor-owned utility. And, and the other piece is one of the things is not just the cities, but nonprofit organizations. Boys and Girls Club, um, YMCA, they're all struggling for funding situations. But if we can help you lower your utility bill by a third, your bottom line just increased. So not only are the microgrids shorter distance to the end user, they also are reliable. They also are better for the planet. I mean, it, it's a common sense thing, but we have to get to the business side of it to make it work. We've got to get the planning together. We've got the people to put the funding streams in line, and we have to actually be okay shifting our paradigm and recognizing that we can't count on investor-owned utilities to give us our power because we are going to get to a point to where we cannot afford it. Hmm. Mr. Matthews, what can you add? I, I think one of the things that's really missed about the whole thing is the security aspect of this. Because by implementing microgrids, we can decentralize our grid, mm. right? So right now, you can take out one part of the grid and take down a whole section of the Absolutely. grid because it's all centralized, controlled by a couple of different generating authorities. But if you decentralize the grid, that makes it much more resilient. So if there is a natural event or even a localized event, it only it only affects that local area or those one or two particular installations and everybody else it's producing their own power. It's not effective. Mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. a great point. I remember, 
I, I remember here maybe five years ago or so, um, there was a situation here where a guy was changing out a fuse in Arizona and blacked out power for the whole uh, Southern California. Wow. That is because it's all centralized. But if that, was, if that was decentralized, if you had your own microgrid, you wouldn't even have any clue that that was even going on. Except for you'd be have your lights on and all your neighbors wouldn't. Mm. And I think that's important to talk about because of the fact we're in a, this world today where technology, unfortunately, computer viruses, things like that, I mean, governments, foreign actors that come in can go in to get into the, uh, the computer grid or the, the grid and actually use a computer to shut down the power grid and disrupt service and seeing parts of the chunks of the country lose power. That is something that we definitely need to get on top of. Do you see bipartisan support for uh, this technology and for the for the development? No, of the no. I, I would say that uh, you know when there's a, a one party when they speak of energy, they talk about fossil fuel as energy, which oil is oil. You know, there's a process to make it energy, right? To convert it to energy, and so they make it appear that oh, uh, we uh, we're having an issue because we don't have enough energy because we're not. Uh, taking it out of the ground and burning it and endangering the planet. When we can easily adapt these technologies, we can roll these out uh, in mass and decentralize the grid, make everything much more affordable and be much more responsible for, to the planet. So, no, I don't think there's real bipartisan, bipartisan support for these technologies. That's crazy. That's why we have to take advantage of it right now. And uh, we have an administration uh, that is much more favorable uh, to these, and they really accept the fact that there is climate change mm-hmm. in order to do this. So we should take advantage of it while we have an opportunity to do so. You mentioned, you mentioned that. I feel sorry for the state of Florida because uh, the governor there, he actually uh, made a public recently, uh, somebody brought to my attention, sent me a YouTube call, of the fact that he's upset about the idea, it seems like, of people talking about climate change and talking and trying to, and even investment firms that are into trying to invest in these types of technologies and things like that. He wants to divest from these types of, these massive, large investment companies who are really, if anybody is going to, is trying to uh, do something that's going to just make the world not necessarily a better place, but looking out for their own best interest, it's a financial institution. Financial institutions are more important to them as their bottom line, saving money, making money. They're not worried. They don't have. They don't care about political agendas or anything. And all they're looking for is to make sure that they can make money for the next hundred years and so on. And if they're investing in green technology, that tells you that there's something legitimate about it. Otherwise, they wouldn't be spending billions of dollars into that infrastructure. And you have. And, and what my other concern is is that you have China and the EU. Seem like these guys are. They're taking it real serious. And they're they're going. I think what the European Union has something like eighteen percent of their of their of their uh, their uh, their operations in the country are based on renewable energy right now. And China wants to get and to sixty percent soon. So I mean, so yeah. I mean, what yeah. so what what are we doing? <laughs> I mean, well, I, mean <laughs> I had a guy. I had a, a meeting one time with a gentleman from, I won't name the bank, but the bank was going through some issues. and But he was uh, a part of the global uh, energy portion where they were actually funding global projects across the, across the globe. And he told me, he said, we, we understand what we need to do. In countries like China, they just say, let's do it. He said, the beautiful thing about America is we get to discuss and argue and, and, and talk about everything. He said, but 
the bad thing about America is we get to discuss and argue about a lot of these things instead of really putting our foot down and moving it forward. A lot of that discussion, again, I, I really appreciate working with Rod because we're his thought process is where you are. It's actually ahead of where the rest of the country is and where we need to get to. If we do not change the bottom line for regular people in the communities, it's going to get worse. You lose money because, again, the model of large investor-owned utilities doesn't work for the average consumer. And with security threats, with climate threats, at the end of the day, why are we not trying to take this funding? That's why I'm, I'm telling everybody, while you have a, a, an administration that is investing in this now, because, again, we have to keep moving the ball forward. We need to be investing in our local communities now, and, and these cities that are struggling with their budgets start switching to renewables. You, one of your you payroll and then utilities. Those are, those are the two of your largest costs. So let's work on the utility one because you can control that very easily by developing, growing, and implementing these microgrids, saving the planet at the same time. But even if you don't believe it's real, you will save on your bottom line. So I just, I just, it sometimes it just frustrates me because it's like we spend a lot of time with elected officials doing presentations and having a conversation because you would be amazed at how many people just simply don't understand how it works. Really? And so that's why these types of investments, like what we're talking about today, you've got to start working on them. Hmm. So do you think a lot of cities around the country will start taking advantage of these types of grants for these programs that Biden's rolling out? I actually don't think I I do because... Why do you not think it's going to work? Well, well, well I, for me, uh, I, I don't care about the p- political affiliation. We, they all love money. And if there's money available to do whatever, then, you know, they're, they're advocates for that whenever money is available. So now this money is available, I do think that a lot of the cities will take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, probably some more so than others, but I, I do believe that that money is available, that they, they will use it to its fullest advantage, no matter what the political persuasion. Yeah, so I was going to say, I don't think they're going to do it until we can explain to them how much they save. When they see the savings are there, then they start to move. But there's there's one thing I'm concerned about, and there is a group. What's, what's this group? I, I wrote this down. So the we have the API, which is, what's that? The, I had it written down here. No, I lost it for a second. Yeah. Anyway, it's not important. But anyways... A lot, a lot of there's a lot of uh, petroleum and oil-based um, um, advocacy groups and things along those lines that also Absolutely. support politicians and also sponsor their platforms, both sides, Democrat and Republican. Um, but and so they and they have an entrenched interest because we, for so many decades, we have built a, a multi-billion-dollar industry on fossil fuels. And they're trying to promote ideas like fracking and deep sea oil drilling and putting in more gas pipelines across you know, the you know the country and things along those lines, as opposed to getting online with uh, the inevitable electrification, the re-electrification of America, because everything is going to be electric 20 years from now. Cars are going to be electric, buses are going to be electric, everything's going to be electric 20 years from now. There's, there's not going to be a, a strong demand as much as it was in the past for 
natural gas, and even oil. And we're seeing this even in the job industry. There's uh, Right now, renewable energy has surpassed coal and jobs. What is it? So you have 4 million jobs in renewable energy versus 160,000 in coal. There's 10 million jobs in oil and natural gas. So this 20, 30 years ago, there were barely any jobs in renewable energy. And just in the last 20 years, they're growing at a rate of, what, 20% a year since 2002? The renewable energy, as far as job creation, as far as the, the as far as the industry itself growing and expanding, so they're going to catch up to natural gas and oil and pass it within the next twenty years. So, what do we need? It's to do an inevitability. Veterans? Yeah. So, what, what do we need to do as veterans to try to get our our uh, get this get to not fall behind the trend and fall behind the curve with the rest of the world, who's already competing at another level because they realize they can save money with. Uh, renewable energy. Well, to me, with all of the statistics that you just quoted, I see opportunity. And one of the things that we learn in the military is to be independent and uh, uh, do things to help out our fellow people. Uh, so one of the things I, I know uh, in the military that helped me was it taught me to be, it gave me an entrepreneurial spirit, right? There are several opportunities out there. As you say, you'll see this industry just growing exponentially over the next 10 to 20 years. So there are several opportunities for entrepreneurs to start companies or to, to render products and services to help to move this industry forward. Uh, I know in, there's an organization called the Rosie Network that is really key in helping veterans get the skills to really become those entrepreneurs providing those resources. So that's one thing that, that I think it's going to happen is a lot of veteran entrepreneurs are going to be out there popping up and we have organizations like the Rosie network to help those veterans really maneuver uh, what it takes to get their companies off the ground and get them rolling. Now, Mr. Howard, my question to you is, are there any um, uh, set asides or grants available with these new fundings and approvals that have taken place recently for the average everyday person, particularly veterans? Cause you know, a lot of these programs favor veterans or try to give opportunity to veterans. What can the average person do to get some of this money to try and develop um, green technology or microgrids in their own um, community? Uh, I, I would say yeah, about the, 10 seconds it, left to say no. Yeah, the quickest part is is connecting with groups like the Rosie Network because they tell you the skill set necessary to do that work. Funding is about research and opportunity. The funding is there, but you have to do the research. That's why we're digging into these, and I know we're, we're running uh, close on time. But we'll send you the link for the Rosie Network as an example and some other opportunities where veterans can dig in, start getting the information, and start the process. Let's enjoy the journey, not just the destination. We are on a journey of energy independence, and this is how we do it. This is America's Heroes Group. You just heard from Rob Howard. He is a U.S. Navy veteran and president CEO of Zodiac Solutions. And Rod Matthews, U.S. Navy veteran and owner of Bradbury Energy, specializing in microgrid technologies and renewable energy. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.